Well, we got trouble, my friends, right here in River City with a capital T, and that rhymes with B, and that stands for bandwagons, which we're talking about here in a moment on Elevate Ordinary. Well, hello, and welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. And I'm Teresa Grodi. And we're back with another conversation about the daily pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. And we're really grateful that you're back with us for another one of these conversations. Today, we're talking about band wagons. Monorail. Monorail. <laughs> and we're going to cram in as many, as many pop culture references and musical theater references as we can. Um, you can point those out in the comments. But before we get into today's topic... I want to tell you a bit about one particular bandwagon that you should jump on as soon as you possibly can, and that is the Awakened Nation. Uh, we are an apostolate trying to bring truth uh, through beauty, through beautiful media, and if you'd like to be part of this mission, please go to awakencatholic.org slash donate and jump on this bandwagon. And another bandwagon you can jump on is our app. If you go to theawakenapp.io or look it up in your favorite app store, Google Play, Apple App Store, those kind of places, you can download it. A lot of cool content there. It's the best way to follow Awaken uh, Catholic content, but also we've got a, a growing group there, a community of people like yourself who are living out the faith, um, discussing the topics, discussing the shows, interacting with hosts and other uh, members of the Awaken Nation. So check that out there. And finally, um, uh, our sponsor today is the following. Have you ever dreamed of visiting Paris in the fall? Seeing the beautiful Eiffel Tower lit up by a sunset. Visiting and venerating holy locations of the sister saints of France in Lisieux, Paris, Lourdes, and more. This fall 2021, join select international tours with Claire Swinarski and Catherine Whitaker, along with a host of other powerful Catholic women on a once-in-a-lifetime Seine River cruise pilgrimage in France. Join our friends at Select International Tours and Cruises. With over 34 years of experience, they are the perfect company to help you experience pilgrimage. To learn more, visit selectinternationaltours.com slash awaken. Bon voyage! Thank you, Select Tours. Okay, so here we are. Today we're going to talk about bandwagons, Teresa. Yeah. Why do you want to talk about bandwagons anyway? Huh? I don't know. I live in this world. I'm on. This is your bandwagon. I just jumped on. So tell me where right. we're going. Where, where's this thing headed? So I want to talk today in light of our episode on gossip. This mm. um, this episode will pair well with um, your fine. Go I can't. Make, like a, like a I fine, can't make jokes. Like a fine wine. Yes. <laughs> I'm not one of those, those people who's uh, capable to make witty jokes. Um, well, in light of our episode on gossip, um, I thought it would be great to talk about to continue talking about freedom hmm. and free will, freedom and the bandwagon. Hmm. Um, so in my mind, we like to talk about virtue. And in my mind, bandwagons are the height of social imprudence, hmm. imprudence. And we love talking That's a about great prudence term, here. social imprudence. Yeah. So huh. what are bandwagons? Bandwagons are. They're wagons that have bands on them. Literally. That's pretty straightforward. Um, so it started in American <laughs> politics. Um you would have a wagon with a band on it, and it would come through the town. Like, this is before TV and the news and social media and things like this. So fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So the only way you would know about a political <clears throat> candidate would be if they would parade through their town or, you know, 
signs and buttons and things. Yeah. Um, and so people would literally jump on the wagon with the band on it for the political campaign person to show that they were in solidarity with the person <laughs> and then to also be on the winning ticket when that person won you know you you again we don't have the news we don't have pictures we don't have social media you remember seeing that person on the winning politicians bandwagon oh, I'm with the band yeah just not a big deal I'm with so the band yeah now this has kind of become a term for any time that you jump on a moving Movement. A movement. Yeah. I guess. A movement. Yeah. Oh, the turntables have turned. turned. <laughs> <laughs> so um, to start this episode, well, I guess, um, yeah, just talking about the, like we talk about prudence, we talk mm -hmm. about personal prudence, um, but it just, it really occurred to me that like bandwagons are social yes. imprudence. So it's, um, and I, I can't like, I don't want to get like political um but this is 2021 and we lived through 2020 um so many bands there are just so many wagons <laughs> so there, there many, are so many examples regardless of where you fall on the political spectrum that you can think of in your brain that occurred in 2020 yeah. where it seemed like whatever the movement was was garnering bodies you know garnering people garnering likes garnering shares garnering support um so I just – I wanted to talk about what the church teaches about freedom yeah. and people who try to use and abuse your freedom. Well, I mean let's talk just a little bit more. What an arresting image, you know, the bandwagons. Uh, we, we would use that term, but I, I love thinking back through the history of it because – so if we analyze that situation, again, what – when we're talking about bandwagons, what are we focusing on? What What is the, the, the term, the idiom – really getting at. And what it's getting at is, again, not just a movement, not just that you you ascribe to a certain idea or a party or a platform, but that that, that that party or platform is appealing to your emotion to get you to jump on this moving thing that you're sort of carried away with, whether or not you really thought it through, whether or not, whether or not you really made a prudent, thoughtful, intentional decision. It, it's it's encouraged you to look to, to leap before you look, so to mm -hmm. speak, to jump on the bandwagon, and then you may not really realize till later that, wow, I shouldn't have gotten on that. Mm -hmm. This has gotten me, you know, it got me all upset, or it got me uh, maybe agreeing to things, or supporting things, or believing things that I really had no business doing. That's kind of the mm -hmm. point here: is that it's using. I mean, we, we think about it in terms of like uh, logic and fallacies. The appeal to emotion, that's pr precisely what a bandwagon is. Mm -hmm. This appeal to your emotion to jump on this moving thing before you've really thought it through. Mm -hmm. Like where where is this ending? Yeah. You know? Actually, so you started the episode with a song from The you're, Music Man. You're going to give it away. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. Which is all – I mean that whole thing is he <laughs> is creating a bandwagon yes. to be able to sell band instruments <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, to this town and then hijack it out of the town when they realize mm. that there's no band, there's no instruments in these. Oh, spoiler and, alert. Oh, ah! you you know, and, and the other thing that we might say about this, this again, this idea of bandwagons, because when you look into idioms, when you look into old maxims or old terms, sometimes you discover so much truth just in, in the definition. Again, part of the reason why bandwagons are interesting is because we do want to be part of the band. That's how that movie or the, the show actually ends. He, he admits to the kid, I always think there's a band kid, you know, like he recognizes even in himself that everybody wants to be part of the band. You want to be with the band and we're social creatures. We do want community. We want fraternity. And so again, the problem with bandwagons is that they use our, not just appeal to our emotion in terms of the issue at hand, 
but also an appeal to our desire to be part of a tribe, mm -hmm. part of a group, part of a movement. We want that. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily a bad impulse, but it, it's so easily abused. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think a lot of times, especially with marketing and especially mm -hmm. with mass movements like we see today or social media movements like we see today, um, whoever is behind them, you know, whatever marketing company is, mm -hmm. they are actively trying to get you to not think about all the end results or all the how did this get here? What is it doing? What's its goal? Where's the money going? Where's the, you know, they're, they're trying to get you to just be like, you are on the right side. Mm -hmm. People who love their children do this thing. It, right. It's a direct appeal to emotion. And it's it's so easier for us to think about, okay, well, those companies out there or those, you know, those corrupt politicians out there that are trying to use these appeals to emotion to get us to jump on their bandwagon. But we have to take a step back and recognize that this is an impulse for all of us. Okay, this is an impulse, well, certainly for those kinds of people, but, you know, for we who maybe have, who do have causes we really sincerely believe in, here at Awakening Catholic, you know, as Catholics, as Christians, we have causes, we have the gospel we want to share. And there is always this impulse to use slimy means, you know, or mm -hmm. to to overstate uh, our case or mm -hmm. to appeal to the, the emotion purely. And even if it's for a good cause, that's the thing here. That's the trick. Mm -hmm. Even if it's for a good cause, it's it's it doesn't work. You can't strong arm someone into believing the gospel, nor can you. Uh, cajole them or bully them into it out of fear or uh, or merely appear appeal to kind of a, a, a short-term immediate desire. We, we have to be bringing people, we have to be respecting their freedom mm -hmm. and for lots of reasons. And I think that's, that's one of the things you're going to get to is that they're especially, well, no, if you have a message or a movement or something that you, you want to invite people to, we have to be respecting people's freedom. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 As a historian. Yes documentaries are like the bane of my existence. Yes. Um, sure. Some documentaries can be done very well um, with a, like with a submissiveness to the truth. But when I look at modern documentaries, um, all I can see is that at the beginning of the documentary, they just get you in this emotional fren frenzy. Mm -hmm. Like if this thing continues to occur, Life as we know it will cease to exist in the next generation or for our children's generation. And then, which it may be true, it may, whatever this thing is, it may be true. But then when you get yourself all worked up in this, like, I'm so scared, I don't know what to do, this is all going to end, and this is horrible. Well, then they can present any answer to you that they want, regardless of whether or not it makes sense. And I'm actually going to call out a documentary here because this is the first time I, as a historian, realized this. I watched, what's that Al Gore documentary? Oh, I never watched it. The, um, the Climate Inconvenient Change Truth. Mm. Okay. So I just want to say as a preface, I am a huge... Um, soil health, earth health person. <laughs> and we're going to actually do an episode on that in the future. Um, so I'm not somebody who doesn't who care about concerned the about things yeah. that may yeah. be happening and are happening. But you you and care about crappy arguments. <laughs> but what I remember is that when I watched this episode, 
I bought a bunch of the light bulbs that he talked about. Like these light bulbs will reduce your carbon footprint, you know, like I, there were visuals and things like that. And I bought a bunch of these light bulbs because I'm like, well, it'll also reduce the cost in my parents' house and my parents you know, could, mm -hmm. they could use that. And then they came in the mail and on the side of this light bulb that I went to his website and purchased this wet light bulb off of his website, I look at the side of the light bulb and it says, um, do not dispose in the trash it needs to be properly recycled because it contains mercury. Mm. And I'm like, wait a second, is anyone gonna do that? And then like, what are the effects of mercury? You're gonna put, mer people put mercury in the trash bins all the time. They put these spiral light bulbs in the trash bins all the time. All so the what's time. the effect of mercury in the soil, in the water, in like, and I was just like, I've just been had. <laughs> like, it was just this huge revelation of like, he got me to buy these light bulbs and these Dang light bulbs are kind of terrible for the environment because no one's going to take them to Home Depot to recycle them. They're mm -hmm. all going to go in the trash. Mm -hmm. So anyway, sorry, let's uh, let's move on to the catechism. <laughs> so like I said in the, at the beginning, this episode pairs really well with our gossip episode. In the gossip episode, we went to the catechism and learned that our interior life, our thoughts, um, that you know you know god creates us with an interior life and we have interior thoughts but that those thoughts have to be revealed by us no one can take them from us no one can read them they have to be revealed by our body language and by our words um, and that that revelation of our interior life what makes us human what makes us um, created in the image and likeness of god is very very precious. precious yeah. So I would encourage you, if you haven't seen the gossip episode, um, we'll link it below. Just uh, go go watch it. It pairs well with this. But this is, again, this is a similar thing here where it's that that your, that aspect of your interior life, your free will mm -hmm. is such a precious thing. And, and there's there are deep problems when we try to override someone else's will, their rationality, their reason, their willing um, because of the preciousness of that interior life. Okay, so the catechism says that God created man a rational being, conferring on him the dignity of a person who can initiate and control his own actions. God willed that man should be left in the hand of his own counsel. Man is rational and therefore like God. He is created with free will and is master over his own acts. Freedom is the power rooted in reason and will to act or to not act, to do this or that, and so to perform deliberate actions on one's own responsibility. By free will, one shapes one's own life. And so similar to your interior life, no one can take your freedom from you, your freedom to make a choice for or against something. They can take your land. They can take your women. <laughs> oh, they can never take your freedom. Sorry, we have I to get like all we, the movie references. Well, in. I feel like we need a special prize for the roll. person who can write the most, uh, <laughs> both conscious yes. um, references and subconscious references. I'm sure I make subconscious references <laughs> all the time to popular culture. Yeah. Um, furthermore, uh, Cardinal Seurat, I love this book, The Power of Silence by Cardinal Seurat. Cardinal Seurat says, chattering... The tendency to externalize all the treasures of the soul by expressing them is supremely harmful to the spiritual life. Carried away toward the exterior by his need to say everything, the chatterer cannot help being far from God, superficial, and incapable of any profound activity. That's like my <laughs> examination of conscience right there. <laughs> um, 
I'm sorry. I I am an extrovert. I think out out loud. Um, so I, I am definitely a chatterer, and I need to be really careful about that. Um, but what what the catechism and what Cardinal Seurat are saying that you don't have to give away the treasures of the soul. You don't have to throw pearl before swine. And what is swine? You know, going back to our gossip episode, what is swine? People who don't respect your dignity, who don't respect your freedom to make a decision, and people who, you know, want a body count, want a like count. They want your social security number. They want you to exist in the system. And they don't really care about you, your dignity, or your free will. Yeah, we have this this impulse nowadays to feel like we— we have to have an opinion on issues we that we have nothing. We don't know no. nothing about, yeah. and so we, yeah, we pick up on, on a news source or a headline that happens to fit, you know, maybe the party or the group, the social group that we're a part of, and we run with that. Uh, when really, the, you know, the prudent thing would be to say, you know, I don't, I don't really don't have an opinion on this issue. I mean, you feel free to educate me, but I don't know enough about it to have an opinion, and that's a good thing. It's just, it's like being in an argument when somebody asks you a question and you actually don't know. The wrong thing to do is to double down and try to make it up as you go along or to pretend like you do know. Mm-hmm. No, say, yeah, you're right. That's a good question. I don't know. I'll look that up. I'll come back to you. But um, the, all the pressure in, in social media, all the pressure in the media nowadays and the pressure in kind of a polarized society that natu- that gravitates toward there being two opposite extreme angry mm-hmm. poles on any issue – is to then try to force everybody you, – you may not be in the middle. You may not be without an opinion. You have to be on one bandwagon or the other. And again, part of the, the point of the freedom here is that no, you, do, you simply do not and you ought not unless there's a good reason to. You ought to stay off the bad bandwagon until and unless you prudently think that this is a, a right thing to believe and a right thing to be a part of. I intended to bring that hideous strength Ooh. to quote – that hideous strength is the third in the C.S. Lewis space trilogy, the third yeah. book. And he has a quote about the necessity of keeping a far left and a far right always at odds with one another. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about that in terms of, of this bandwagon issue, because if you can keep people in two different camps who really, really, really then hate each other. Yeah. Are you looking it up right now? I think I got it here. Oh, my goodness. Now, imagine the, the woman who's saying this. Okay. The woman who's saying this. Yes. I'm going to say it. Now all the people out there are going to know what she looks like. So do you remember the movie Matilda with the trudge bowl? The trudge bowl? Oh, me? No. no Anyone? Okay. So this is like the woman, this is the woman who's saying, well, honey, <laughs> they can... Post something. Well, right. imagine her, and if you don't imagine her, this is this is one of the the bad people in the in this book. She's the head of the police, but force. she's talking to this gullible young man who's being enticed into uh, a bandwagon, a pretty evil bandwagon. <laughs> and she uh, she remarks to him, "Why you fool? It's the educated reader." He had just objected that oh, the educated readers of these newspapers won't be able to be fooled by this. And she retorts, "Oh, you fool! It's the educated reader who can be gold." All our difficulty comes with the others. When did you meet a workman who believes the papers? He takes it for granted that they're all propaganda and skips the leading articles. He buys his paper for the football results and little paragraphs about girls falling out of windows and corpses found in Mayfair flats. He is our problem. We have to recondition him. But the educated public, the people who read the highbrow weeklies, don't need reconditioning. They're all right already. They'll believe anything. And I just realized that that didn't have the it full – It doesn't. The right I know exactly what – yeah. <laughs> It comes right before it, I think. 
But the point is, is that if you're caught up in, in the media, you may think yourself above the influence, but it's all a bunch of competing bandwagons. Yeah. You know, it is precisely the person who's unplugged from all that, who's the person who can stand back and, and see that, oh, it's all a bunch of bandwagons. The left, the right, the conservatives, the liberals, it's all a bunch of bandwagons. Um, and that you need to have this bit of space to stand back in, in your place of freedom, evaluate and really mm -hmm. think through and really have the freedom not to have an opinion until mm -hmm. and unless you, you close on something that's true and good and beautiful. Yeah. And actually, too, just like accepting a first date. OK, so I, I used to tell women in college, like when I used to talk to women in college, um, that it's OK to say no hmm. to you don't have to give a guy a try if there's already like red flags that you can see. Um, but similarly, like when you take that first step and jump on the bandwagon, it is hard. It is hard to get off. Because in order to get off, you have to say, I was really wrong and I made a really bad decision. And you're going to have to hear all the I told you so's and the looks from the people who were quote unquote right, you know. Um, and so it is it is so important. It's yeah. so important to think before you jump on that bandwagon. Yeah. You. Yeah, you. You know you've always wanted to go to Paris. Well, now's your chance. If you go with Select International Tours, the sponsor of today's Awaken Catholic Show episode, you can join Claire Swinarski from the Catholic Feminist Podcast, as well as author and speaker Catherine Whitaker, along with a host of other powerful Catholic women on a once-in-a-lifetime Seine River Cruise pilgrimage in France. Visit and venerate the Sister Saints of France in Lisieux, Paris, Lourdes, and more. Sacre bleu! Learn more by visiting selectinternationaltours.com slash awaken. Oh, there's so many points here. I mean, that, that part of the issue there, I mean, a, a, a term that goes along with that is this notion of confirmation bias, that when we've already made an investment or an investment bias, there's a number of terms connected here, but when we've already gotten on a bandwagon, we've made an investment of time or money or effort in a person or a thing or a movement, we, we then have a different battle um, because now we, we – the temptation is, well, we need to prove ourselves that it was a good idea. Mm -hmm. And then and the, the deeper we go, the more – especially if we recognize there's some problems there, we fight this internal battle of trying to double down on what we, on what we jumped onto because uh, otherwise we have to do the, the harder thing of admitting maybe it wasn't a good idea to jump on this bandwagon mm -hmm. before I was sure of it. Yeah. yeah. So um, this brings us to the question, which I wrote down, um, how do we know what's right, what's an act of courage – and how do we know what's a bandwagon? You know, so how do you discern that in your daily life? And I think um, just first and foremost, before I get into some more nitty gritty, is just that the church encourages us to ask questions. The church encourages us to seek truth. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think sometimes people think that the church is a place simply of doctrines and knows and of hard, you know, like. You can't be Catholic if you're this, which may be true, but it's not true in an arbitrary sense. Mm. So our tradition goes back 2,000 years plus, you know, into um, into Jewish uh, academia, I guess, if there was academia back then, um, and even into Greek and secular um, thinking. So something that appealed to me as a historian when I had my encounter with Christ— which came before my intellectual conversion to Catholicism, was that I was a 20-year-old 
And I thought I knew everything. And then I encountered this church that had this intellectual tradition where they, they played devil's advocate to all of the questions. Is homosexuality okay? Is abortion okay? Is, you know, uh, what's another one? Like marrying multiple people okay? You know, like they asked these questions and they asked them hard <laughs> at yeah. every angle. And then that particular generation handed it over to the next generation who continued to pummel the mm. truth to make the truth stand. Yeah. And this was a tradition that I was now standing on. So the church, like the catechism is amazing, but the catechism is, it's freedom in thought. Mm. It's not a set simply of rules, but it's freedom in thought. You know, you're not going to read the catechism and come out feeling like I've just been told what to think. You're going to think to yourself, I didn't realize I, I could think so broadly. I didn't realize that the truth was so big and beautiful and encompassing and like familiar to me, familiar to like the interior, my interior life. So I would encourage um, owning a copy of the catechism and asking good questions, asking, oops, <laughs> asking questions. Um the mm -hmm. next time someone wants you to join a cause. Um, and I think your conscience will reveal to you the kind of questions, you know, the little nagging question that you should ask. This was a big topic for me, um, sort of my adult conversion was precisely, can can I ask the church questions? Um, is that is that what the church wants? Is that mm -hmm. as Catholics, you know, do does the church stand up to scrutiny? And that's, again, as you said, uh, the church... Our Lord and in his church does not want it to be a bandwagon. Mm -hmm. Christianity is not to be a bandwagon. You know, mm -hmm. To be Catholic is not to be a bandwagon. That is to say, it's not to be a matter of our mere emotion. It is not a matter of something that we can just kind of strong arm people into or scare them into or lure them into with, you know, with carrots. That it has to be a matter of their personal decision. Mm -hmm. That precious personal decision to trust in Christ and to abide by his church and to live life following him. That has to be a matter of, of decision. Uh, and the church, again, it, the more you dig into it, as you were talking, I was thinking about Aquinas, you know, his, if you read the, the Summa Theologica or, or his works, his whole format is to take a topic and then to line up all the very best arguments he can think of or find. And he would work with, with students at the time, like they'd line up all the arguments, whatever. And then he would give a response, and then he would he would he would show what a great uh, thinker or you know, predecessor had thought about the topic, and then he would respond to each of the objections. And so it was always this dialogue with the devil's advocate. It was always a dialogue with the best opinions. Mm -hmm. um, We've talked in the past about uh, steel manning the argument yes. instead of straw manning the argument. Don't pick the weakest part yeah. of the person's argument. Pick the best part of the person's argument and strengthen it, strengthen it even better than they do, and then ask all your questions. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes is from Thomas Merton, um, and I've read it before here, but he, he writes, the arguments of religious men are so often insincere and their insincerity is uh, proportionate to their anger. Why do we get angry about what we believe? Because we do not really believe it. Or else what we pretend to be defending as the truth is really our own self-esteem. A man of sincerity is less interested in defending the truth than in stating it clearly. For he thinks that if the truth be clearly seen, it can very well take care of itself. I love that quote for a bunch of different reasons. But in this context, you know, what I love about it is precisely that 
the way that we, if we're thinking about ourselves now in terms of the way we might be tempted to try to pull people onto a bandwagon, or, that um, it, it's not it's not just a matter of whether that bandwagon turns out to be something wrong or, or problematic. It's that even if nothing bad happens, someone jumps on a bandwagon, you know, they get behind a, a new product or a new thing, it turns out fine perhaps. But that person, the the act of being pulled into something by your passion without your reason, that's a problem hmm. um, because um, then you haven't decided it. It hasn't been internalized. It's not a decision you've made that becomes part of your, your psycho-spiritual reality, something that you've decided part of your moral life, part of your walk with the Lord. You've just been pulled into something. Um, and, and in fact, I would say that you've, you've maybe robbed that person. I mean, think about hmm. if we scare someone into the faith. You know, or into believing truth, or if I, I, I merely scare my children into you know believing some truth about the world that I'm trying to teach them. Well, I've then I've robbed them of the experience of seeing and accepting and choosing to accept that truth, uh, and I've also trained them in vice. You know, anytime we we uh, we entice someone or scare someone into accepting something, um, we have we've trained them to be people of passion rather than people of prudence. You know, people who are pulled along by their fear or their desire rather than people who who make decisions, who evaluate reasonably and then make decisions. And the problem is even if today we use fear or desire to get someone to cho- to, to, to go along with something mm-hmm. that we may think is right, the problem is tomorrow they're, uh, m- they are more people of passion. They are, they are mm-hmm. less virtuous people. And so tomorrow they could swing the other direction. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to, the way that we uh, operate in terms of our own discernment and, w- and what we're trying to encourage other people to do or to think always has to be uh, a growth in freedom. That is to say, a growth in virtue. Mm-hmm. We're encouraging them to be people of prudence, that is, people of reason and intentionality and decision, rather than people who are simply uh, pulled or pushed along by fear or desire. Yeah, the Catechism says human freedom is a force for growth and maturity in truth and goodness. It attains its perfectum, freedom attains its perfection when it's directed towards God, our beatitude. Um, so something that was probably, aside from the Bible and the catechism, was probably the most beneficial thing for me to learn in my Christian life. And I think that this is pretty universal when you learn this particular practice, but it's called the discernment of spirits. Um, it was first propagated. It was first propagated by Saint Ignatius of Loyola. But I think that they're universal truths. Like yeah. people had. Yeah, he was tapping into some, you know, just just how our minds work mm-hmm. and how. And actually, the, it's a good point. He was really tapping into something. That, for instance, that the kind of stuff that uh, Andrew Reinhardt's talking about over mm-hmm. on his show, which is that, you know, we are we are whole integrated uh, beings. You know, our mind, our, our spirit, our body, our emotions, it's all part of one package. And we have to be looking at the whole thing. And the discernment of spirits is precisely, you know, this, the practice of, of recognizing, recognizing these inner the movements of the heart mm-hmm. and, and how do we interpret those? How do we discern yeah. them? Yeah. How do we discern the voice of the Holy Spirit? How do we discern mm-hmm. the temptations of the devil on mm-hmm. a daily, like, throughout your life kind of basis? Mm-hmm. And the, when he first discovered this, he was, um, was kind of like... Uh, like a knight-ish, you know, he wanted to go off and get glory and fight in wars. And he dreamed of this one woman he could never attain because she was way out of his league. uh, And back then that mattered. (laughs) Um, And he ended up getting his leg blown off by a cannonball in war. And so while he was recuperating, the place that he was recuperating in had a large library. And at first he grabbed a bunch of novels, 
you know, short story things. And he loved reading them, but he realized after he finished reading them, he would feel empty and lonely and not fulfilled. But there were also the lives of the saints in that library. And when he would pick up the lives of the saints, he would read them and feel great reading them just like he did with the novels. But afterwards, they were sustaining and they um, they really boistered, bolstered him up and made him feel elevated for a long term. And he started to recognize, like, maybe I shouldn't be reading these novels. Maybe I should be reading this. And so the discernment of spirits kind of builds off of this, like discerning the fruit of the current spirit. Um, when I first had my conversion, I came across um, this story about this little girl mystic. <laughs> Okay, so a mystic is someone who experiences a non-normal religious experience. So I study Marian apparitions. So so that means like full body, Mary appears to you as you're sitting here to me. And maybe I could touch her or like she's speaking to me and it's like another person is there. But this girl experienced interior locution. So during prayer, she would hear voices that were not hers. Um, and she would hear the voice of Jesus Mary and the devil. And an adult was asking, I think it was a priest, but I'm not positive, was asking her, you know, like, what does Mary sound like? How old does she sound? You know, does G what kind of a man does Jesus sound like? Does he have a gruff voice? And she's like, mm, they all kind of sound the same. And the person was like, well, how does, how do you tell the difference between the voices of Jesus and Mary and of Satan? And she said, well, when Jesus and Mary speak, I feel like I want to do what they're asking of me, but that I'm free and I have peace and I like just I, I'm free. I'm free to do what they ask me to do or I'm free not to do it. And she said, when the voice of Satan speaks, I feel like very anxious, like I have to do this thing right now. I have to do it and I don't have even time to pray. And um, so I, I've kept that in my mind ever since I heard it, you know, years and years and years ago, that even if I, if I don't have time to pray about this, then I'm not going to do it. Even if it's a good thing, even if it's like a cause that I'm behind or something I want to see eradicated or something I want to see, you know, brought about. If I, if this person's coming to me to get me to, to do this, this happens a lot at the checkout counter mm. at grocery stores. You know, the person asks you, do you want to donate a dollar to XYZ fund? And it's really embarrassing to say no, but I'm like, I don't know where this money goes. Mm. You know, this is a very large corporation that's asking me to donate every single person here to donate a dollar. Where is this going? You know, and it's hard to say no, but it's like, if I don't have time to like inform myself about this place and to pray about it, maybe we want to give to some other charities instead. Um, like then it's not the thing for me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I think that that anxiety is just a real keystone, like in terms of your spiritual life. Like right. when you have anxiety, like I have to do, I have to do it right now. Mm -hmm. If I don't do it right now, I'm not being courageous. That is a sure sign that you need to stop and you need to pray. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have time to pray, then by golly, that's not the thing that you're supposed to do. <laughs> At least for now. Yeah, and that's, again, that's such an important point here. Again, casting this in just in terms of the virtues again, that there always needs to be this return. We've talked through the virtues. There always needs to be this return to prudence. Um, because it's the prudence is the portal, it's the opening, it's the bearer of all of the of the virtuous life, the moral life. All virtues pass uh, through the portal of prudence. You, you mentioned earlier, you know, oftentimes in the moment, faced with a bandwagon, uh, sometimes our our 
desire to be courageous is engaged. Like, oh, there's this cause, there's this evil that needs to be stopped, or there's this good that needs to be done. And so it's appealing to uh, good emotions in us. But the thing is, again, this is, I got the book on the table here, Joseph Pieper in the Cardinal Virtues, he, he makes a strong point about how the other virtues depend on prudence and justice, and particularly fortitude. Fortitude or courage cannot be a virtue unless it's, uh, unless it's founded on prudence. Mm -hmm. That is to say, um, courage, it must be uh, courage in service of the right thing. So simply, and there's, there's lots of people who don't have a lot of fear, who are ready to jump in the battle at a moment's notice. That doesn't mean they're prudent. That doesn't mean they're virtuous. They have to first be people who stand back and think, is this the right cause? Is this the right time and place for this effort? Mm -hmm. um, you have to be a person, a thinking, a rational, reasonable person, and you have to make a conscious decision. Yet yeah, this is the thing. This is the battle. This is the moment. This is the time, uh, and I'm going to do it. But simply to be pulled in by your emotion, mm -hmm. it may feel like courage, but it, you may realize after the fact that, you know, I was just pulled onto another bandwagon here. Yeah, actually, so this may be too controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway. I don't know. Controversial <laughs> alert. Controversial <laughs> alert. Um, you know, so I study Marian apparitions, and a lot of times I find impure practices and bandwagony things when people are trying to force other people to follow Our Lady's messages or do the things that Our Lady says. Oh, there's lots of bandwagons in the church. Oof. There's bandwagons all throughout the church. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, okay, I guess totally. it wasn't as controversial as I thought, <laughs> so we're good. No, we're good. It's, a, it's, a, it's a big important topic that the church is full of bandwagons. We're probably uh, on many of them. We talking, yeah. we listening, we probably have pulled other people onto them. Because it's it's this natural desire for humans. Like when you get on a bandwagon, part of the way that you make feel make yourself feel better about that perhaps hasty decision is to mm -hmm. pull other people on there with you. you yeah, know? and it's so it's so sad to see Catholics divided. It's mm -hmm. so sad um, because you you lose a lot of ground in things that matter mm -hmm. when other Catholics hate you yeah. <laughs> because they think you know you one thing or another about you. Um, so. The bandwagons are just—they're so divisive and they're so counterintuitive or counterproductive, especially for Christians. Uh, so, did we miss? So, I do just want to end by saying very forcefully um, that you are free to say no when someone asks for your opinion on something. When somebody wants you to choose a side, you are free to say no or I don't know. And honestly, I'm just not going to answer you right now or whatever. There's no, what you doing on your phone there, babe? I'm looking up a quote, man. <laughs> so yeah, you're you're free. You're free, yeah. and that's that's the thing again. Whether we're thinking about somebody else, you know, like if we again a, a child or a spouse or a friend that we're trying to to share some truth with, some something something we believe, uh, or whether we're you know in terms of ourselves, we have to recognize uh, that the decision today. To remain prudent, that is to remain reasonable and intentional, and to, to not be pulled onto a bandwagon, to not jump in before we're sure, um, to to not um, simply be pulled or pushed around by fear or desire, but to be people of reason and people of intentionality and decision. Even if today I make one decision and tomorrow I you know I get some more information and I I maybe go back on that decision or I decide to yes I'm gonna I'm gonna get involved with this thing. The point is today I need to grow. In virtue, and that means I have to remain uh, remain prudent. I can't be 
I can't be growing the habit of simply being pushed or pulled around uh, by whomever is able to um, no, whoever, whoever is able to, uh, to to prick my emotion and my passion in the right way. Whom isn't really even a word. <laughs> <laughs> I know one is right, but I don't know where. Which, which, yeah. Well, I think the wagon has come to the end of the line. We'll revisit these in many ways because again, there's there's so much here. You know, there's there's doctrine, there's prejudice, there's passion, virtue. There's a lot going on in this, uh, and we live in a world that that trades in bandwagons and slogans and. We, we all are constantly in a, in a battle of discernment over this stuff. So we'd love to hear your thoughts, um, you know, on bandwagons and, you know, how to discern them and how to kind of keep your head above water and proceed through life uh, carefully and to help the people around us to become, you know, people of prudence, people of, of reason. Yeah, let us know your thoughts in the comments and in the, in the app. Talk to us in the app. We'll, we'll see you over there. Uh, as I said at the beginning, if you like what we're doing here at Awaken Catholic or on this show, uh, Elevate Ordinary, please go to awakencatholic.org slash donate and become a member, a partner in this mission, becoming part of the Awaken Nation, the best and only bandwagon that you should jump on in without even thinking about it. And also download the app, uh, the awakenapp.io, or download it from the, your favorite app store. That's the best way to follow Awaken Catholic content, interact with the hosts and other members, and... Teresa has something she wants to say. No, I was just <laughs> No, it was just a daydream. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, bandwagons of the mind is what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> no, we thank you again for joining us for this uh, episode of Elevate Ordinary, sharing this conversation about the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. And if you are part of the Awakening Nation, maybe you'll get a bonus episode because Teresa really has something <laughs> that she wants to say, but uh, no, maybe no. it'll come after the camera is turned off. Have yeah. a good day, and we'll see you next week. God bless. This show and all media on Awakened Catholic is made possible by the Awakened Nation and the Hollow app. The Awakened Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hollow.app slash awaken.